This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is John Lynch, 49ers GM and Pro Football Hall of Famer, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest 4-2. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas Everywhere you go Well, yes, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas here in New England. Um, Decorations are up. We put up our tree yesterday. Um, We had Black Friday. We had Cyber Monday. And Ian, we had snow last weekend. So I know you lived in New England at one point. You miss it? What, what, What snow? Is that the stuff the Zamboni pushes around on the ice at hockey games? Is that it? I'll take that as a no. Um, so you guys live in the Tampa Bay area. I lives in Tampa. Ian lives in St. Petersburg. What's going on this time of year, guys? I guess what I'm asking is, if I live there, how would I know that it's Christmas time when it's like 85 and sunny outside? Clark, it was it was 51 last night. People are freaking wow. out. They're, they're freaking out. <laughs> they don't know how to handle it. The leaves are falling. They're dropping. Um, but it's all good here because the Bucks are uh, going to wrap up this division and uh, and the Lightning are off to a good start. And Clark, your favorite baseball team, the Tampa Bay Rays, are spending money, and they just signed this kid Wander Franco. And you know your baseball, Clark. This, this kid's going to be a superstar, a superstar. I, I do know my baseball, but you don't, Ira. That's not my favorite team. The New York Yankees are my favorite team. So thanks for tweaking me on that. Well, anyway, on to football. Um, you know, one sign that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas, guys, as you know, is that Tom Brady is quarterbacking um, his team into another annual stretch drive for the playoffs and, and maybe for the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay Bucks last week had a big win against uh, Indianapolis. And I think that's something they needed, Ira, don't you? I mean, especially at this time of year. Oh, that, that win was a lot different than the other ones. Yeah. Clark. With all due yeah, respect to the, to the Bears and the, and the Giants. You know, this was one of the hottest teams in football next to the Patriots uh, playing at home. Big lead in the first half. And uh, the Bucks hang in there and beat them at their own game, Clark. Turnovers. And... Um, Leonard Fournette outplayed Jonathan Taylor. And yeah, he did. That, that's quite a surprise right there. Yeah, and Tom Brady did what he had to do, which is a convenient way to move on to today's guest, and that's David Fisher, uh, who just released a book on TB12 called Tom Brady, A Celebration of Greatness on the Gridiron. And guys, that also is another sign that it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas because that book is out just in time to satisfy the most insatiable Brady fan for Christmas and Ian yes I am talking about you yeah I was gonna say people I was gonna say thinking I was on camera look at my shirt and look over my shoulder but to give you a visual I'm wearing my TB12 t-shirt and I got my Brady Michigan jersey hanging uh, right over my right shoulder yeah that'll do it (laughs) anyway David Fisher thank you so much for joining us and I think you're joining us from your home in New Jersey that's correct. Thanks for having me so much. Uh, I've got some avocado ice cream in the freezer. <laughs> well, David, I want to ask you something. Uh, you're a prolific author, and you've written a zillion books, um, uh, a litany of them. Most of them 
on sports, uh, most of them on New York sports, and most of them on New York sports heroes, uh, Derek Jeter, um, we have Mariana Rivera, uh, A-Rod, I don't know whether he's a hero or not, but he's an intriguing guy, uh, Babe Ruth, uh, Judge, not Clark, Aaron Judge we're talking about, but anyway, most of them have been about baseball, but I think this is your first foray into the NFL, and you certainly landed upon an intriguing character, that would be Tom Brady. Why? Why in that direction? Why did you take the off-ramp to the NFL for the first time? Well, it just seemed so natural. The books that have been most successful in my career have been what I call tribute books, uh, a coffee table book, uh, a very successful book I did for Derek Cheater. And uh, I, I also actually did one for David Ortiz, Big Poppy, when uh, the year they were retiring. Uh, after Arnold Palmer died, uh, a friend in, of mine and I did a, also another tribute book, a look back to a great career, a great hero, an American legend. So <laughs> wrongly, I assumed that uh, in 2019, maybe Tom Brady was getting close to hanging it up. Uh, and I, I asked my editor if uh, the publisher would be interested in a Tom Brady tribute book thinking that he was about to call it a career. So they jumped at the chance. Now, not only was I interested in Tom Brady for all the obvious reasons, um, but if you'll let me just tell a quick personal story. Sure. Uh, one of the reasons that I've always admired Brady from afar. In 2001 and 2002, I was working as a freelance writer for Sports Illustrated for Kids. I had a monthly column, uh, strange but true facts about sports, or one month it would be about uh, what are some of the house rules your parents had that you as a kid would try to break and not get caught by your parents. And I talked to uh, four, five, eight athletes and, and make a column. So after Brady uh, and the Patriots win their first Super Bowl, He's the MVP. He's an up and coming star. I reach out to the Patriots saying that I'm doing one of these columns for SI for Kids. I didn't really get a lot of traction with their media relations department. I left my name and number. Weeks go by. The phone rings one day. My four-year-old son runs to the phone, picks it up, starts having a conversation with someone who I think must be a family member or a friend. He's talking about how he plays baseball. He loves the Yankees. He wants to be a shortstop like Derek Jeter. Yes, my dad's right here. He's cooking dinner. Hold on. I come to the phone and the voice at the other end says, Mr. Fisher, it's Tom Brady. I understand you'd like to talk to me for an article. This just wow. blew me away. Yeah. You know, I'm an ink-stained wretch. Ira, you'll <laughs> confirm this. That, Athletes are not getting paid to talk to sports writers. They're certainly not getting paid to engage a four-year-old child in a conversation. And I just realized that this young kid, Brady, he's got something special. Yeah. He's not just a talented football player, but I guess I would say being a new parent at the time, I felt his parents brought him up right. This guy is a leader. He's got something special. My son, of course, as he grew up and learned who Tom Brady was, loved to tell the story. Of, I spoke to him on the phone, you know, 
<laughs> and our house was just a Brady household, even though we were around Giants fans. And, uh, you know, it was pretty tough that year when the Giants were, were playing the Patriots uh, in that undefeated season when they beat him in the Super Bowl, finally. My son had to defend himself uh, as a young boy around all his Giants fans' friends. But that's really why I uh, was so keen on doing a tribute book uh, for Tom Brady. David, could you do us a favor and, and get in touch with Tom Brady's son again? Because Ira's been trying to reach his dad for years and would really like to speak to him and get him on this show. <laughs> well, that, that's funny because Tom Sr. doesn't seem like... Uh, <laughs> that he's afraid to talk. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, David, congratulations on, on the book. Uh, I've read it. It's, it's a great read, very entertaining and very informative. Now, Mr. Fisher, everybody likes to take a deep dive into Tom Brady. There's a million books out. Yours stands alone because you started from the beginning, the, the grade school, the high school, everything. So, David... In your own inimitable way, what is the driving force behind Tom Brady's incredible success and what forged that unquenchable desire uh, that he exhibits uh, every day? And if we can figure that out and bottle it and sell it, we'd be billionaires. But I, I, I truly believe that it's because Tom Brady wasn't even close to being the most popular or best athlete in his own house growing up. Brady's the youngest of four children. He has three older sisters. They were amazing athletes. They all got division one scholarships in their sport, softball, uh, uh, soccer, whatever it may be. But Brady, as a kid, was always being dragged along by his parents to go watch his sisters play. And they were the ones getting the local newspaper headlines. And uh, he was always, uh, he wasn't even little Tommy Brady. He was Maureen's little brother or, or, or so-and-so's little brother. And I think that he had to fight even to, until he became a professional. So to prove that he was uh, an excellent athlete because he was always in the shadow of his three older sisters. He also was raised in a very competitive household. Everything was a contest. Even coming home from church on a Sunday, the car would stop in the driveway and there would be a race to the front door to see who would get there first. <laughs> there would be, there would be, you can imagine the four kids running down the stairs into the den to get the television remote, to be the one to determine who gets to watch what on television. That actually was the article that I was doing when I first spoke to Brady. Uh, what he would, he, he described to me that he would take the television remote and hide it so that when he came home from school, he didn't have to watch the soap operas <laughs> that his older sisters would run. Um, but 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 I, I think that's the chip on his shoulder that that we constantly see. It never goes away. And at every step in his athletic career, nothing was ever given to him. He he, he didn't even see the field as a freshman on a football team that was winless. So he wasn't even good enough to crack the starting lineup 
of a terrible team. They made fun of him for his lack of athleticism. But rather than quit, he would create the agility drills that the coach did and created it in his father's garage and would practice and practice until he became one of the most agile players on the team. Even when he gets to Michigan, he's fighting for a spot. He thinks he beats out Brian Greasy. He doesn't get the nod. When he's finally a senior, he thinks now it's my time. Local hero Drew Henson is on the scene. Um, Brady fights for every snap. Uh, when he becomes a professional and is a starter, even after 10 years, and he's a Hall of Famer after 10 years, we hear stories that he won't even give up snaps and practice to a backup quarterback. He was just, once he got it, he had to hold on to it for so long. And, and hey, I think um, he still feels, he still feels he's proving everybody <laughs> wrong for letting him slip down to the sixth round, 199 picks. Absolutely. Uh, Dave, um, taking you back to uh, Brady's high school days, uh, first of all, how, how good a baseball player was he? Um, why did he go to Michigan and instead of Cal? I think his father probably wanted him to go to Cal. And did he ever, uh, did he ever seriously think about a baseball career, uh, uh, David? So he did also play catcher in high school. He was quite a powerful uh, hitter, uh, had a strong arm, no doubt. One of the things that I discovered was that he was so good at calling a game behind the plate. The, the high school coach let him call the pitches. I don't, I don't know of any high school coach that lets a 17-year-old call the game like that. But he always was prepared. Uh, that, that's a fact to this day. He was drafted by the Montreal Expos. A lower round draft pick, I'm going to, if memory serves, maybe like the 18th round. Uh, he was already making noises that he was going to go to Michigan. Uh, we did think that he was going to stay local. It's, it seemed uh, the thing to do, but uh, when he, he went to Michigan, he just fell in love with the, the school, the spirit, the pomp and circumstance, the the tradition, the great tradition of, of being a Michigan man. Uh, when he made that decision to go to Michigan, his dad cried. Uh, he was going to be so far away. Uh, but one, when Brady was drafted by the Expos, uh, they had come to play a game on the West Coast. Um, they invited Brady, uh, a high school senior, to come work out with the team prior to the game. Uh, he did well, apparently, took batting practice, uh, did some infield, outfield drills with the team. And then he's sitting on the bench talking to some of the major leaguers about his future. And when he mentioned the opportunity to go to Michigan, uh, that he was uh, going to be a quarterback at Michigan, they, they all looked at him, these Expos players, and looked at him, what are you, crazy? There's no decision to be made here. You got to go to Michigan. You got to you got to be the big man on campus. You're going to be a quarterback. You don't want to ride the buses and uh, the Bush leagues. It's a terrible life uh, as a, a hard life as a minor league player. You're not uh, certainly not making any money and really, really tough environment. Uh, so that's what Brady wanted to do. But football was really always his love. He really loves being a teammate and being part of a collaborative effort to compete and to win 
baseball was just a little bit too much of an individual sport for him, so he says. We're speaking with David Fisher, author of Tom Brady, A Celebration of Greatness on the Gridiron, and Ira, hearing him talk about Brady's competitive spirit within the family, racing for that remote control coming out of the, the car, racing in the house to try to get it. Reminds me of you and me, our competitive spirits, when we raced for that last piece of pizza at the Super Bowl, you know, was it Ira or me? We had it. Um, David, I was wondering, looking through that book, if there's something about Brady that you discovered in the course of this research that you didn't already know about him, some revelation that you go, well, I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, on, on his personal life, you know, he's a very private person. Uh, I had no idea that uh, he was dating uh, Bridget Moynihan, who's an actress. Uh, at the time, uh, at the time, she was in a movie, uh, I Robot, with Will Smith, that I've never seen, but I know that she's popular today on a TV series uh, called Blue Bloods with Tom Selleck right. and right. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, you know, she's a beautiful woman. They they were dating. They were very serious. Um, and Brady met Giselle Bündchen and they broke up. He and uh, Bridget Moynihan broke up. Now, Bridget Moynihan knew that at the time of the breakup that she was pregnant with uh, Brady's child, but she didn't tell him. Hmm. Um, she became a single mom at Brady, of course, we know the love story with uh, the supermodel. Uh, but they actually, they do have a good relationship. They co-parent uh, a son, uh, seems to be very mature, um, very real. Uh, he's very involved in, in, in that child's life. Uh, all this created a scandal in the tabloids, uh, right. but uh, I'm not watching those TV shows uh, that focus on these celebrity scandals and such, but, but, why I bring it up is what surprised me was I, I always thought that, you know, Brady was such the perfect athlete, the golden boy. Uh, and while this could have taken many other athletes careers down in the dumpers, you would never, you know, uh, get an, a, a job to be a spokesperson or, or to get lucrative uh, advertising and commercials. Uh, Brady's, humanity, his personality, he, he's a good guy. It, it continues to shine through. And his success on the field, obviously, you know, he can't, he can't doubt that he's a true winner and companies want to be associated with a true winner. But, but this part of Brady's life, this drama that I spoke of, I, I, I had never heard about that. Well, it's funny you mentioned Bridget Moynihan. She's a popular figure in our house because our daughter used to watch Ramon and Beezus, which is a film in which she starred. And she said, oh, I love her. I said, that's Tom Brady's girlfriend. She goes, who? I said, Tom Brady. So she was more popular in this house than Tom Brady was. Um, we had uh, another author on here recently. That'd be Seth Wickersham, who wrote a book about Brady and the Patriots, um, and, and a terrific book. Um, and and he's, he talked about his insecurity, and he talked about his past and his, his future, and he wondered and worried actually what happens to Brady when he retires and worried about him because he said, you know, he recalled in, in an article or a, a report um, that was done years earlier by a friend of his who um, did a story on Michael Jordan when he was 50. And Michael Jordan said, 
listen, I would trade everything that I have now to go back to basketball. I'd like to play basketball again, meaning that was my whole focus in life. I'm kind of drifting without it. He said he worries about that with Brady too. What does he do afterwards? Um, what do you think he does? And, and is that a concern of yours too, that without football, he might just sort of drift? Yeah. You know, I think every athlete has to confront that. Yeah. Uh, but when you are at, when you are a goat, when you are a greatest of all time at your profession, there's nothing that can take that place. And, and you always have to, I think, psychologically, for your mental health, you 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 have to be upfront about that and, and face the reality. Um, sure, we've heard the saying that uh, you know an athlete dies twice. Uh, once, first when you retire, and then when you stop breathing. Right. Uh, you know, I think Brady is always going to be a a successful businessman, right? We see him starting that now with the TB12. They. They are selling everything under the sun, um, marketing it under Tom's name, uh, doing the crypto and the non-fungible tokens. He's on the cutting edge of everything that's going on. Let's not forget though, I think his wife may be one of the most wealthiest women in the world. Yeah. Right. Uh, he, you know, he, he, he's not even the top dog in his own, in his own house, in his own <laughs> yeah, marriage. Right. So there's always gonna be that competitive piece of it in a loving way, of course, in a mutual uh, way. But perhaps there's things that he does with his wife's brand as well, and they come together. He'll always be a spokesperson. I think he'll be wearing Uggs forever and expensive watches and whatnot, making it all so cool. But he's, he's going to, for the rest of his life, he'll be Tom Brady. He will make a career out of being Tom Brady. We're not going to see him as a talking head on any football games, on any studio show, nothing like that. I, I could see him being um, a, a, a titan of, of wellness. Yeah. Uh, okay. He seems to be creating this wellness company, and it seems to be a fad that's happening now uh, in the country. And if anybody can make a boom of it, I think it's going to be Brady. Yeah, he already is. You've bought the avocado ice cream. <laughs> Not so bad. <laughs> Dave, two more from me. Uh, thanks for your time. Uh, and congrats on this book, Tom Brady, a celebration uh, of greatness. Uh, Dave, the draft, the draft. Um, Dave, he goes 20 and five at Michigan. He, he wins two bowl games, uh, some in spectacular fashion. Um, I, I, I know what the uh, combine tape is. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. I understand that, Dave. But, Dave, what was, that, what was the family's expectations going into that draft? And um, in retrospect, was there a chance he, go, he went undrafted? Wow. So, yes, the, the draft combine, famous photograph of a flabby Brady is pretty hysterical. And I believe that his 40 yard dash time may still be the worst of any quarterback. Uh, there are offensive linemen that, that go faster. His vertical jump uh, you know, was just inches worse than, than, than any nose tackle. But he did overcome some really tough, 
times at Michigan, whereas some scouts would say, well, he couldn't even be the obvious starter at Michigan. And they, they raised that as a, as a question. I think Belichick and some of the Patriots personnel department uh, professionals looked at it as toughness, mental toughness, that no matter how often he was knocked down or told he wasn't good enough to start, that um, he and Drew Henson, uh, Lloyd Carr, the Michigan coach, had a crazy idea that, well, we'll start Brady in the first quarter, Henson will start the second quarter, and then at halftime we'll decide who's better. And that person starts the second half. And there were so many times when Henson threw bad interceptions, made poor decisions, fumbled, or just couldn't get the team going. And the, the Michigan Wolverines are trailing. And Brady would be put into the game and bring the team back for a dramatic win. So Belichick sees that and says, this kid can make you know uh, lemonade out of lemons. Um, he saw this kind of toughness and he took the word of Dick, um, Dick Rabine, I think Rabine. is how, how yeah. you say the Rabine, yeah. Yeah, who, who had gone to see Brady's in person and was really impressed with his arm strength and his accuracy. Uh, people, you know, like Mel Kuyper, they, they focused on uh, his lack of mobility, that he had a strong arm, but that he really had no movement in the pocket. You didn't see any of that on tape. So they didn't give him, uh, you know, any, any special props. And six quarterbacks are taken before Brady. His family expected him to be taken pretty high, first or second round. And they were hoping taken by the San Francisco 49ers, which was the team he grew up idolizing. Uh, he loved them. He was at the stadium for the famous catch, Montana to Clark. Uh, and he really wanted to go to the 49ers. As the draft is happening and the Brady family is watching on television and names are being called and quarterbacks are coming off the board, the, the family is getting very upset. They're very worried. Brady finally says, the heck with it. I, I, I can't watch this anymore. He has to leave the house. Uh, he goes to a San Francisco Giants baseball game, according to reports. He's gone for hours. He comes back. All right. Where am I going? Who drafted me? Tommy, we're sorry. Your name still has not been called. He goes outside with a baseball bat. He starts pounding on garbage cans. He, he's beside himself. He, he really felt, uh, he once joked about it on Instagram that he posted his resume to show he had uh, experience at Merrill Lynch uh, doing an internship in finance. He actually thought, okay, I'm going to have to figure out what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Uh, of course, we don't know other than uh, Chad Pennington, I don't think any of those six quarterbacks drafted ahead of Brady ever did anything of note. Uh, somebody did a, uh, a film, maybe it was ESPN, they did, they yeah. did a documentary uh, of those six quarterbacks that were taken, taken before Brady. But yeah, again, Brady six. This, yeah, this is six. just another, uh, an, another uh uh, you know, firecracker to light under Brady to just make that competitive fire explode. Dave, um, last one for me, Dave. Um, I'm going to take you to the low point, uh, I think, of Brady's professional career, um, which is the 2007 
undefeated regular season. Um, got a chance, Dave, I think in retrospect, you'd agree. If they win this game, they might be tabbed the greatest team in NFL history. There's a good chance. And they lose. Brady doesn't play terrible, doesn't play great. The Giants get to him a little bit with that pass rush. And it, how, how did he react to that game, Dave? How devastating was it to Tom Brady? Yeah, yeah definitely was devastating, uh, especially to lose in the way that they lost. It was just crushing. Uh, Brady, in retrospect, looks back and says that was the greatest team that he ever played with. Uh, statistically, he was off the charts. Uh, had a 50 touchdown passes. Randy Moss uh, set the record for, for touchdown catches. You know, Brady, like you said, Brady, he didn't play great in that game. He didn't play bad. He, he You know, the, the pass rush certainly got to him, certainly got him off his mark. But, you know, I don't think Brady has played great in any of the Super Bowl games other than uh, statistically the loss against the Eagles. He had a great second half uh, uh, or quarter and a half against the Falcons. That was just out of his mind. Um, but Brady had great last minute drives. Uh, look, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world if I owned the team. But he doesn't have those you know, like with Joe Montana, he has the catch, uh, you know, Namath has uh, the guarantee. Like, what do we, what does Brady have? There isn't a signature moment, but this I believe is to Brady's credit. There's, there's just 21 years of amazing consistency at the top of his game. Now that loss, uh, I agree with you, by the way, Ira, they would be considered the greatest team in history had they won that game. You have to win a championship in order to be considered one of the greatest teams, no matter what your sport. But let's say they do go undefeated and win that Super Bowl championship. I wonder if Brady's career is different. Does he retire sooner? Uh, because don't forget, the next Super Bowl they get to a couple years later, they lose again to the Giants in just devastating fashion uh, again just a, a heartbreaking heartbreaking loss maybe those losses are what set Brady out for the next decade of greatness on the gridiron uh, to, to plug the book for Christmas again <laughs> Br Brady Brady's first 10 years were Hall of Fame caliber right if he had retired he's wearing a gold jacket and he has a bust in Canton and the Patriots are considered a dynasty, the team of the 2000s. It's incredible to think if you take Brady's second decade, he's again a Hall of Famer just on those numbers. And the Patriots are also the team of the decade of the 2010s. Uh, it, it's amazing. I wonder though, if they had beaten the Giants those two times, if Brady doesn't retire a little bit sooner uh, and that would be a shame for Tampa fans, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be, be a shame for Ian Glendon. Uh, David, we're just about out of time, but I'll uh, just finish by uh, referencing what I did at the beginning. You wrote about the Yankees and you wrote about Derek Jeter, but con uh, uh, ironically, what is interesting to me is that Jeter and Brady share one thing in common, and that's winning is paramount. It's not statistics, and you talked about his Super Bowls. 
He doesn't care how many interceptions he throws. He doesn't care what his passer rating is. He just cares about winning ball games. And that was what separated Derek Jeter, quite honestly, from A-Rod, because A-Rod, according to Joe Torre, did care about the stats. Didn't really care all that much about winning as long as he did well. But that's what I think separates Brady from everyone else. And I think his drive at this age is remarkable because pointed out, I think a week ago or two weeks ago, he has more touchdown passes in his 40s than Hall of Famer Roger Staubach had in his career. I mean, that's remarkable. So you've written about a uh, intriguing and remarkable and enduring character. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. It's David Fisher, thanks for the time and, and best of luck with the book. Really appreciate it. It was a pleasure joining you, Ira. It's great to see an old friend once again. And thank you very much for making the book uh, you know, available for, for a great Christmas gift. I don't know how good it's selling here in the New York area. <laughs> It'll sell That's in Tampa luck, and Dave. Boston, I'll guarantee you that. Not a single co copy in Buffalo has been sold. <laughs> Not yet. Thanks, David. Thank you. That was David Fisher, author of Tom Brady, A Celebration of Greatness on the Gridiron. And I, I forgot to mention that there's another book of Tom Brady that's out there. And I'm not talking about um, Seth's book, uh, It's Better to Be Feared or The Dynasty. I, I'm talking about a book called A Season in the Sun yeah. by Lars Anderson and about the Bucks' 2020 Super Bowl season. You know anything about that, Ira? Well, I know that I uh, did the forward with Bruce Arians. Oh, uh, there you go. And I, I copyread the book. So if anybody's got any problems with, with Lars's uh, prose, it, it goes right to me. But um, that's a great book, too. Boy, you know, you could write 40 books about Brady, right? I think there are 40 books out there or 40 <laughs> projects. <laughs> We've got Man in the Arena on ESPN now. Um, the other thing I want to mention about Brady, since we're on the subject, and quickly, because we are running out of time, but uh, Ron Borges this week on Talk of Fame Network wrote about the Super Bowl that we all want to see. And I think he's absolutely right. Super Bowl 56, Brady versus Belichick. I agree. That's the one I want to see. How about you, Ira? That's as good as it gets, Clark. And, you know, knowing I, I said this to Ian before the podcast. Clark, Stephen Gilmore is gone. And their defense is even better. I mean, how does he do it? How does Belichick do it? Incredible. Yeah. Ian, is that the Super Bowl you want to see? If only to watch the collective minds of the other 30 fan bases implode, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Okay, I got the final thought from Ian. How about final thought from you? Uh, you know what, Clark? Along these lines, I, I think the success of the Patriots, I think they've won six in a row, Clark, um, without the greatest yeah. roster in the world. Yeah. Um, I think it puts to bed any of the nonsense that uh, Brady was 95% uh, responsible for the Patriots dynasty. Let's, let's get away from that stuff. I mean, two great, two great uh, immortal uh, souls got together to forge that dynasty. And, uh, and, and Belichick's getting his revenge uh, right now. Right yeah. now. Yeah, sort of like I said, Lennon McCartney. So it's not 95. Maybe it's more like 90 now, right, Ara? There you go. <laughs> hey, I've been watching that Get Back uh, Clock. I've been watching that Get Back documentary. Oh. Um, yeah, we boy, don't have today. Disney Plus. So friends of ours said, you got to come here. And I said, yeah, we'll get back. I love, I, I, like you, I love the Beatles. I love music. We will see it. And we'll talk about it someday on here. Uh, what okay. I want to mention was Curly Culp, the passing of Curly Culp. Hall of Famer died last weekend at the age of 75 from complications of pancreatic cancer and it's funny guys we talked about him i think like two weeks ago and i said you know just thinking about him he died 11 days afterwards that, that was 
pretty quick, but uh, great you know, nose tackle. Clark, Mike, my lasting memory of Curly Cup is, is him standing over Mick Tinglehoff in Super right. Bowl four. And Tinglehoff, who was a great player, he, he didn't know what hit him. Here comes know Curly Cup. He couldn't handle yeah. it. He changed that game. And he was actually part of, we mentioned before, one of the most lopsided trades in history. He and a second-round draft pick who became Robert Brazil. Whoa, wow. Traded for John Matuzek. Uh, anyway, he loved wearing the gold jacket. I love talking to him. And uh, he was gone and is gone too soon. If you'd like to hear other broadcasts like this one, just go to our, or this website. It's Ian's website, actually, thefullpresscoverage.com. Pull down the podcast icon and click on the I test for two. Does it sound easy? That's because Absolutely. it is. Just try it. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. See you next week.